Hey, well, good morning. Welcome to Mariner's Church. Thank you all for being out here today. I'm Paul. I'm one of the pastors here. It is really, really good to see you, and um, I'm really, I'm glad that, uh, I'm, I'm glad you came. Hey, next week the message is on what? Nothing. Nothing. It's not on anything at all. We're not going to be here, as we've been seeing on the video, and you've been getting emails and announcements for the last month and a half. We're not, we're not here. We're going to be someplace else. We're going to be scattered throughout our community, serving, serving people, finding people to serve. Now, some people have asked, well, I can't think of a project to do. And I had to tell them, it's not the project that we're interested in so much. It's the people. Don't think of a project that you can do and then try and figure out where you can do it. Figure out a person that God's calling you to reach or to touch or to love on or just simply to share some time with. Find the person, and then God will show you the project. And so um, that's what it's really all about. If you're good at weeding, they love to weed. Don't say, I'm just going to go find a yard, some field someplace in the middle of nowhere and weed. That doesn't do anything. Think of a person that God is maybe directing your attention to or just in your neighborhood that you know or you said, I've always wanted to know this person. Just bake something and take it over and have coffee with them. That's serving them. And so it's about the people. It's not, it's not about the project. Um, at, at all, and so you're going to ask God, and you're going to find out, and we're going to be sending you more information on, well, what if it's Thursday or Friday, and I still don't know who the person is? We'll give you some tips and hints on that, because I really believe this is a way that God can work in us, through us, um, for other people, so it'll be a fun time, and then we'll see you next Sunday afternoon or at noon at the picnic, and it'll be a great time. Hey, um, we're going to be talking about apathy um, um, this morning. And um, I heard earlier today some kids were talking, and they said, what's the message on? And he said, apathy. And somebody said, what's apathy? And he says, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> That's apathy. Okay. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't really care. I'm going to tell you about something that I believe will happen um, today. Um, I believe that God's going to speak, maybe not, not to all of you, but maybe to a few of you. I don't think everybody's going to rock it out of here and, and want to go out and, and change the world, but a few of you may, um, and maybe it's you. Maybe you will because of what God does through you or in you this morning will get out of your comfort zone and realize that there is something that God is calling you to be a part of and to do. Our theme for this whole year is hope, the word behind me, Esperanza. Um, what is hope? Hope is not a wish. We've been talking about that. Hope is not just, you know, I hope the Giants would win more games. I wish. It's not a wish like, like that. Hope is, I do wish they would win more games, by the way, but that's beside <laughs> the point. It's not a verb. It's a noun. It's something that you have. Hope is something that you have in your life. So the Bible says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living what? A living hope. It's a live thing that we're born into, that we have. Born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And the hope that we have, you know, involved is sins are forgiven. We have a new life. And because of that new life, and, and this is big, I don't have to be the same anymore. And that's a great statement. I don't have to live the way I used to live anymore. My life can change. I don't have to be the same. And we talked about, last week, we talked about um, 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 comparison in our whole series called Hope to Overcome. This week, we're going to be talking about apathy. 
and how we can overcome this whole thing called apathy. But let me take a second and pray, can we? Father, thank you now in these moments that your Holy Spirit is here to talk to us and to speak within us. Um, give me the words to share, Lord. Do your work in Jesus' name. Um, I don't know about you, um, but there are some things that really bug me in life. Do you have things that really bug you, just drive you nuts, things that really bug you? Yeah, no, none, 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 none of you. One of the things that bugs me are long signals for no reason. You know, that's just driving me nuts. You're going down Highway 1, particularly south of town, and all of a sudden you get stopped at a red light, and there's nobody coming. There's nobody coming the other way. Nobody at, at all. And you're there, and you're there, and you're there, and there's still no, no, nobody coming. That, that drives me nuts. Another thing that bugs me is people who think that just because I drive a minivan, I'm out of touch with the world, okay? <laughs> drives me crazy. I am out of touch with the world, by the way, but it's not because I drive a minivan, all right? That's all true. But what bugs me a, a whole lot is that there are big things in this world that don't bug me at all. Does that make sense? What bugs me is that there are things that are going on in this world, and they don't bug me whatsoever, um, and they should. Remember on Easter, um, Easter weekend, the bombings in Egypt? Remember that? You know, it happened. People were meeting for, you know, Resurrection Sunday. They were coming together, and, and, you know, their churches were blown up, you know, and people died. And, 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 and I heard of it in passing, and I thought, yeah, but we have a big Easter service to put together. There are things that should bug me, but they don't. And that what? That bugs me. Yeah. Or the persecuted church. And I hear about it, and then there's the wow, and the oh no, and I go back into my own little world of worrying about the price of gas, or if the giants will get a bullpen, or if I have gophers in my backyard. You know, you see how my, our world just kind of goes right back into the little minutia that, that's there. And I think, I, what is wrong with me? You know, what's wrong with me? Why don't I care? And, 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 and worse is, why can't I care? Why can't I care about those things? Um, I'm growing up, um, my generation was labeled the, the baby boomer generation. You've heard that term, baby boomers, you know. Baby boomers, if you heard the term, then you are one and you're old. But anyway, <laughs> baby boomer. And, 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 and then the next generation came along. They, they, were, they were sometimes called the baby busters, but they also got the nickname of the moniker, the me generation. You hear about that? The me generation. It's all about me. It's all about me. It's all about me. And, and, and then this next generation has gotten another term, and they are called the I'll just call it the, the meh generation. You know that word meh, M-E-H, meh. Meh just means meh, you know, meh. You don't really care about things. Things just really aren't there. And, and meh is a great word for apathy, you know. Not good, not bad, just meh. You know, it's just meh. It's just, it's just there. Um, the meh attitude has always been around. Um, this is a story that Jesus told. A Jewish man was traveling on a trip from Jerusalem to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits, stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Priests had things to do. I mean, I understand the cultural significance of what's going on there. You know, the priest, priest had priestly duties and things like that. But yet still, neither of them cared. Neither the priest nor the temple assistant. They didn't just, they, they didn't care. They just didn't care at all. 
it wasn't worth the effort. Maybe they're saying it's too much risk involved here, or maybe somebody could do it better than I could, or I don't have the time. I'm on, I'm on a schedule here. And so really the question is, why don't we care like Jesus calls us to care? Because Jesus would call us again and again to care, care. Why don't we care like Jesus cares? Why not? How come? You know, why, why apathy and how do we overcome all of that? Now, I think of a few reasons why we have apathy in our lives. One of the reasons is, is we have just too much info. I mean, we have info load just kind of pouring in at us. I mean, you just pop on, on the TV or the, or, or the news or the Internet. There's an earthquake, you know, in Southern California. And then another one, and then another one. I mean, they're all bombed down there. There's a car bombing, a GoFundMe account for a nine-year-old boy, you know, and then Jesus, and then somebody saw the face of Jesus on a tortilla, you, you know. All of those things are there. And which is the article we read? Jesus on the tortilla, all right? That's the one we, always, we, t- we tend, to go, tend to go to. We have all this information coming, and we just don't know how to filter it out. The second reason is I sometimes feel helpless to make a difference. You may care about something, but then you begin to think, well, who am I? I mean, who am I? I mean, who am I to do anything about this? I'm only one. Besides, I've got to pay bills. I've got to get my degree. I've got to get my kid to take school seriously and all of that. We, we, we worry about those things. And then the third one, and I'm going to have to explain this one, I am blessed and cursed with comfort. Okay, comfort is a blessing, but it can also be a curse here. I mean, think about it. I can shop. I can shop without leaving home. You realize that? In fact, I don't, I don't shop, I buy. I don't shop, I, I buy. I can buy stuff at home without ever leaving my front door, ever. You just simply press a button. You could go home and you could press a, a button on your app and you can have a pizza delivered to your house in 30 minutes. It's just there. I mean, that's the world we live in. You could push a few buttons and a whole new fly fishing rod and reel can be delivered to my house tomorrow, okay? You could do that. You can, you can do that, okay? But the problem with that is the more comfortable life becomes, the more it becomes about who? About me. The more comfortable it becomes, the more it comes about me. And so there's a blessing in, in comfort, but there's also a curse because all of a sudden life starts to evolve around me more and more and more. And, and so s- suppose you're binge-watching something. What a term, binge-watching, you know? You're binge-watching something, and, and you're just loving it, you know? You're just, you're just loving it, and, and all of a sudden, your TV starts to buffer, you know? Mm-hmm. 2%, you know, 15%, 40%. And what do you do? You start going ballistic, you know, you start casting demons out of your TV, you know, because it's not working. And you think, life is not fair, you know, life is so hard, people have too many devices going on that I can't watch my TV. Do you understand how, how all this comfort is a blessing, but it's a, it's, a, it's a curse? And that's the curse of comfort. You get a little bit of it, you want more of it. And all of a sudden it begins to move into the theology of our lives, you know, the God part, the spiritual part of it. And I want a God who then gets me what I want and makes sure that my life is taken care of. And then it gets into your church life. I want a church where I don't have to do too much, where they sing the songs that I like, where I can sit in the place that I would want, where I don't have to interact with people I necessarily don't, don't like. I want a place where where even though Jesus gave up his life for me, 
I really don't want to have to serve because that would mean I can't just simply show up when I want. It means I actually have to make a, what's the C word we all hate? A commitment. Paul in the Bible said this, for to me to live is Christ. That's my life. I live for Christ. That's the whole life that I have. So how do we stop being meh people? How do we stop the apathy thing going on here? And here we go, okay, a few things that I, I would think. First of all, consistently be exposed to things that create discomfort. We live in such a comfortable world that it's important for us to consistently be exposed to things that are going to yank us or pull us or push us out of our comfort zone where we can be a little bit rattled because if I'm not rattled, I go back to the me and the meh thing. You ever been on, on, on like a week-long service trip to a developing country? Have you ever, ever gone on one of those, maybe called missions trips, or maybe you've just gone to serve with an organization, you've gone down there, and, and they're great experiences, you, you have to do it um, often, um, I, I would believe, and, and what happens is you land, or you drive across the border, or whatever else, you land, and as you're in the car, you're driving along the highway, and you start to kind of look, because you see, because it's, it's always so different, you know, maybe it's tropical, or deserty, or whatever else, and then, and then you're, you're waiting to see some of the homes, or the houses that people live in, and you think, oh my gosh, look at that, you know, and the things you say are, people actually what? Live there? People actually live there? You know, and you see, and you see, you know, like the school. And it's like, that's the school, you know, that's there. And, and you, you drive a little bit farther, and you finally get to the little village um, that you're going to. And you just think, how can people live like this? You know, how can? Because you're now walking the streets, and they're dusty and dirty. And, you, you know, see the kids, and they're barefoot, and they don't, they don't have much. And you just think, oh, my gosh. And something's beginning to rattle within you. And then you start to meet the people, and God maybe gives you a new friend, or maybe there's a child you just kind of fall in love with. You know, you just think, oh my gosh, you know, what a great person this is, or a great family they are. And all of a sudden, you think, I would give everything to help them. And from this point forward, you say, I'll never be the same. I will never be the same. I'm going to go back different, and I'm going to care like I've never cared before. In a sense, these kinds of trips, they wreck you in a good way. You understand that? They wreck you, destroy you, they break you to pieces in a really good way. And, and then I get back, and, and life happens. At first, I resent it, okay? I mean, who really cares about who the Warriors pick first round? I mean, who really cares? You, know, you just think, you're, in fact, you, you're disgusted by that. Why does that even matter who the Warriors picked? Or who cares who the Bachelorette picked? You know, big deal. Who, who really cares? And what difference does that really make? Because your mind is still thinking about that village down there and those kids that you saw over there. But then you start to pay bills and school starts and you have to go to the dentist. And after a few weeks, what? It's all over. It's done. It goes away. You remember, but it's faded, it's faded away. The caring, the passion that you had, the brokenness, the being wrecked. The being wrecked has now been restored and rebuilt up to that which is comfortable and more about me. And I think that's why we need to expose ourselves continually to this, always. And it is a discipline, just like exercise. It doesn't happen if you don't do it, okay? And this is why we provide service opportunities and we encourage you to get involved in lots of service opportunities because you have to be wrecked again and again and again and again because it will go away 
and your life will go back to the way it was and the life when you were finally in what I would call reality, which is serving and giving your everything for somebody else. That's reality. That's real life. You look back at your old life and you think, I never want to go back to that again. You will. And so wreck yourself continually on this. Continue to be exposed to that. Push yourself for it. Second, know it breaks the heart of God. And this is kind of a little bit more the mental you know, stuff where as you read Scripture and as you understand what the Bible is saying, you have to understand those things that really, really God is passionate about and what breaks his heart. The things that God says, that's not okay. And you have to say, if it's not okay with God, then it's not okay with me. God cares about that, and he put me on earth to make a difference here. And apathy starts to change. Paul was not always a Christ follower, okay? The apostle Paul in the Bible was not always a Christ follower. In fact, at first he hated Christianity. He hated Christians. Um, by the way, if you're here for the first time and you're not sure about this Christianity thing, you don't like it, you'd like Paul in his pre-Jesus condition, okay? He was very, very anti-Jesus. And, and <clears throat> then he had a radical encounter with Christ, with Jesus, and things changed. His whole life changed, turned around. And, and he went from a Jesus hater to a guy that loved everybody. He loved everybody. Remember that song, you know, who wrote the book of love? Remember that song? Remember that song? You know who wrote the book of love about love? It was Paul, 1 Corinthians 13. Okay, he's the guy. Hated everybody, threw him in prison, voted for them to be executed. He's the one who wrote love is patient, love is kind. Okay, he's that guy. That's the transformation of Jesus. Um, he said this. He made this interesting statement in the book of Romans. He says, with Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Now notice the words he's using here. He's saying, Christ is my witness, meaning I would stand before Jesus and say this. He would say, I speak with complete truthfulness. Okay, I'm completely truthful here. He says, I have great, uh, he says, the Holy Spirit is confirming this. He's saying, I'm dying here. I have great anguish. Okay, four times he's talking about how big this thing is that he's going to tell us. Well, what is it, Paul? What's this big deal? What's breaking your heart? He said, it's for my people, my Jewish brothers and sisters. I'll be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. Question, um, is there somebody like that that's in your life that you would say, I have great anguish in my heart. I would rather be cut off from Christ if they would come to know Jesus. Do you hear that passion in his life? I would rather be condemned to hell. If that would mean that they could go to heaven, send me to hell. Because that's my passion for them to know Jesus. Because that moves the heart of God, not that statement, but the heart of God is moved towards people that are separated from him. And Paul is saying, this is my whole life. And if it would mean that I'm condemned, then so be it. If they could come to know Christ, I'll do whatever it takes. So, okay, Paul, this Paul, me, you know, how do I feel about my neighbors? How do I feel about them? How do I really feel about them? Do I really believe that people without Jesus are dead, as the Bible says it? Do I really believe that? If so, would it affect my life? Does it affect my life? Or am I apathetical because they don't pull the weeds out of their yard like I think they should, you know? Do you understand what breaks the heart of God? It should break our hearts as well.
saying I'll do what it takes. Next, focus on something. Ask God to help you, help me narrow my focus on something that really grabs my attention. And for you, it's going to be different than me. Maybe for you, it's the unborn. Maybe it's racial justice. Maybe it's cancer support or evangelism or foster adopting. Or maybe it's at your school, some of you, or students. Maybe it's the lonely kids. Maybe it's the new kid. Or maybe it's the weird kids. Or maybe it's the picked on kids. Maybe it breaks your heart, tugs at you a little bit. Maybe it's overseas missions, single moms, helping new believers grow in their faith. God has given you a heart and a passion for something, and yours is different than mine. And we have a whole church body here, and that means it should be able to cover pretty much every need in our society and our community here right now. If, if we're not living in meh. Every need. Big question, my passion and hurt is for what? Can you fill it in? Can you fill it in? My passion and my hurt is for, is for what? Um, if you can't, then you should be asking, God, what makes my heart hurt? And it will involve people, and it will begin to get to you. Understand, it's way easier not to care. It, it is. It's just easier not to care, not to get involved and not to do something. If I do something, I get my feelings hurt, I have to take risk, I could end up in an area where I'm not comfortable. It just is. You talk to the new kid, you talk to the weird kid, then you're going to be, well, characterized as like the weird kid. But would you rather be hurt doing God's purpose for your life or just simply exist not doing anything? So I, I, I just ache with a calling, just ache with a calling. That would be my prayer, that you would ache with the calling that, that God has for you. Paul, his whole calling was that people would know Jesus. Moses, his whole calling and burden was, let my people what? Let them go. They're, they're in slavery. <clears throat> David was burdened that the name of God was being thrown in the trash. And, and, and this is really where our lives become serious, where we say, I, I can't be half in this Jesus thing. We just simply can't be in this thing. Um, I understand half in, half out. Uh, I lived that way for a long time. Jesus and church became so familiar to me that I began to think through, I hope they sing the songs I like. I hope the prayer doesn't go too long, you know. I hope I can sit with these friends and that became my, my life. God, it became about me. And then towards God, it was God. I'll be as faithful as you will be to me because it's all about me right now. It's all about me and my comfort. And it was not until somebody began to rattle me out of my meh zone. And pretty much God said, Paul, you need to just do the next right thing, the next thing that you can be involved in. Just the next thing. And I did, and my life changed from there. It was as if God were waiting for me to say, for me to make the first move for serving. The first move. Um, we're a church, and we meet the needs of our, of our world. 
And I get some of you are, are, are saying, okay, let's wrap this thing up. I got a lawn that needs mowing or lunch is going to, you know, be cooked pretty soon or my nap is calling. I get it. I understand that. I was there. I, I, I really get it. I do. It's way easier to not care. It really is. But there's a great question. Um, would I rather hurt with a divine calling or exist without one? Would I rather hurt with a divine calling? And, and I guess right now I'm talking to the one who's thinking, God, I know I should be more for you, but I'm afraid. Because if I do become more for you, I won't know what to do. And so that's why next weekend we're going to start. I would bet most of you have no idea who you're going to serve next weekend. You have no idea. And that's okay. God's the God of the now, and that's fine. And we're going to send you an email out. I'll tell you, give you some tips on how to do it. Maybe some of you have an inkling. Maybe some of you, you're going to go out on Sunday morning, and you're going to walk your neighborhood in prayer and think, God, I still have no idea who to serve. And all of a sudden, you're going to see somebody that's loading stuff into their car, and you can help them, or looking for their dog that ran away, and you can help chase it down. Somebody out doing yard work, and you say, hey, can I just help you? And watch God work at that point in time. Um, and that may be the start of your touching your world. Franciscan prayer, it's an interesting prayer. Um, written more recently, it says this. May God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world so you can do what others claim cannot be done. Isn't that cool? Can God bless you with a foolishness to believe you can make a difference in this world so you can do what others claim cannot be done? Apostle Paul wrote this. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. There it is. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up because we're going to be doing that which God did for us. God was not apathetic in his love. He has an outrageous love for you. So much that he chose to take action, the most radical action possible. And what we're going to be taking in just a moment symbolizes that. He gave himself up by coming down and taking on flesh and blood. And the bread we're going to be taking in a moment is symbolic of that. He said, remember, remember my love for you took action. That's what it does because that's what love is. It's action taking. And he came down and took on flesh and blood. And he said, when you take the bread, remember that. Remember, I did that for you. But there's also the cup and that cup symbolized his blood and you and I sinned we both sinned we get it I understand it justice has to be served when sin is punished and the sin was so great sin was so great that somebody had to die for it you can't die for my sin you got your own stuff to deal with I can't die for yours I got my own stuff to deal with we need somebody who's never sinned the only one that's never sinned is God Jesus so he died for you and that's what the cup symbolizes. And when we take, he said, I want you to remember again. Remember again. The way we do this here is they're going to be doing a song. Great song. A really cool song they're going to do. And as, they're, as we're singing and as we're worshiping, 
come up and uh, take the cup and take the bread and then go back to your seat, hold it. We take together as a family. That's kind of a thing that we do um, here at Mariners. Um, but we're going to remember the Son of God who loved you, gave himself up for you. Would you pray with me, please? Now in this moment, Jesus, thank you. We remember that you are in no way were apathetic towards us, but with passion and love, an outrageous love, you came here for us. You went through death for us because you love us. And right now we remember you. And we thank you in Jesus' name. I take the bread of life Broken for all my sins
winds from the west, so far your grace has carried me. Until I see you face to face, until at last I've won my race, remind me you're not finished yet. phrase live in remembrance because I mean that the greatest cure of apathy live in remembrance this afternoon I gotta go home and I busted some sprinklers up in the ground and I gotta go fix them and uh, so I'm gonna dig and get muddy um, but I want to as I'm repairing that live in remembrance and my neighbors walk by I want to live in remembrance as I talk to them show love to them and go in the house with my family. I want to live in what? In remembrance of what he did. Live in remembrance. Our whole life. Tomorrow, tomorrow night, Wednesday, next Sunday, in 10 minutes as you're greeting each other, as you're meeting somebody new, live in remembrance. This is why we remember again and again and again Jesus did. And the night he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body. It came for you. Do this to remember. Let's remember. And he took the cup also and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. Someone has to pay for sins. Jesus did. Let's remember that he did for us. 